0: Section 72 of The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Tomko. The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. Section 72, Part 2, Book the Fourth, Chapter 5, a fearful place. The Wapentake entered behind Gwynplaine, then the Justice of the Quorum, then the Constables. The wicket was closed. The heavy door swung to, closing hermetically on the stone sills. Without anyone seeing who had opened or shut it, it seemed as if the bolts re-entered their sockets of their own act. Some of these mechanisms, the invention of ancient intimidation, still exist in old prisons doors of which you saw no doorkeeper with them the entrance to a prison becomes like the entrance to a tomb this wicket was the lower door of southwark gaol there was nothing in the harsh and worm-eaten aspect of this prison to soften its appropriate air of rigour originally a pagan temple built by the cateoclans for the mogans ancient english gods it became a palace for ethelwolf and a fortress for edward the confessor then it was elevated to the dignity of a prison in eleven ninety nine by john lackland such was southwark jail this jail at first intersected by a street like chenonceau by a river had been for a century or two a gate that is to say the gate of the suburb the passage had then been walled up there remain in england some prisons of this nature in london newgate at canterbury Westgate at Edinburgh, Canongate, in France the Bastille was originally a gate. Almost all the jails of England present the same appearance, a high wall without and a hive of cells within. Nothing could be more funereal than the appearance of those prisons, where spiders and justice spread their webs, and where John Howard, that ray of light, had not yet penetrated, like the old Gehanna of Brussels, they might well have been designated Turenberg, the House of Tears. Men felt, before such buildings, at once so savage and inhospitable, the same distress that the ancient navigators suffered before the hell of slaves mentioned by Plautus, islands of creaking change, ferricrepedite insulae, when they passed near enough to hear the clank of the fetters southwark gaol an old place of exorcisms and torture was originally used solely for the imprisonment of sorcerers as was proved by two verses engraved on a defaced stone at the foot of the wicket sunt erapetitii vexati demoni multo est energumenus quem daemon unus. Lines which draw a subtle, delicate distinction between the demoniac and man possessed by a devil. At the bottom of this inscription, nailed flat against the wall, was a stone ladder, which had been originally of wood, but which had been changed into stone by being buried in earth of petrifying quality at a place called Apsley Gois, near Woburn Abbey. The prison of Southwark, now demolished, opened on two streets, between which, as a gate, it formerly served as means of communication. It had two doors, in the large street, a door, apparently used by the authorities, and in the lane, the door of punishment, used by the rest of the living and by the dead also, because when a prisoner in the jail died, it was by that issue that his corpse was carried out. A liberation not to be despised. Death is release into infinity, it was by the gate of punishment that Gwynplaine had been taken into prison. The lane, as we have said, was nothing but a little passage, paved with flints, confined between two opposite walls. There was one of the same kind at Brussels called Rue d'une personnée. The walls were unequal in height. The high one was the prison the low one, the cemetery. The enclosure for the mortuary, remains of the jail, was not higher than the ordinary stature of a man. In it was a gate almost opposite the prison wicket. The dead had only to cross the street. The cemetery was but twenty paces from the jail. On the high wall was affixed a gallows. On the low one was sculptured a death's head. Neither of these walls made its opposite neighbor more cheerful." End of section 72. Recording by William Tomko.